Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you uh, big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Today is Thursday, May 26, 2022. Today we're reading from the big book. We're currently on page six, the first paragraph that begins the remorse, horror, and hopelessness, ending with, so two bottles and oblivion. We're just going to comment on the one paragraph only. Today's readers, we have uh, Davlin E. on the 12 steps, Abby S. is going to pitch in on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text, we have Vanita L. and Christina L. The share ID for yesterday, Wednesday, May 25th, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, that number is uh, 18,991. That's 18991. For the 10 a.m. meeting, 18,992. That's 18992. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues. We got no fees uh, for members. We're self-supporting. Through our own contributions, we neither solicit nor accept outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating, um, also compulsive food behaviors, and then to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, and that's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive reading, they can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. So let me now ask uh, Davlin E. to read the 12 steps. Davlin, good morning. Good morning, Larry. My name is Davalyn E., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater living in Manitoba, Canada. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you, Devlin. Okay, Abby S., it's your turn. We've got, I think, about 12 traditions, right? Yes, hi, this is Abby S. in Michigan. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks so much, Abby. Okay, here's how our meeting works. Um, Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the uh, topic and literature that we're discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. I'll give you a kind of reminder if you get there. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year. For readers, it's six months, and there is no abstinence requirement for sharing a topic. And this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. If you'd like to share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Uh, Then mute yourself again by pressing star one. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're, we're back in the big book. We're in Bill's story. We are currently on page six, the first paragraph. Um, it begins the remorse, horror, and hopelessness. It ends with so two bottles and oblivion. And uh, Vanita is going to just comment on the one paragraph. So with that, Vanita, you want to get us started? Sure. The remorse. I'm a repulsive. I'm a repulsive. I'm a compulsive. Easy for you to say. (laughs) I'm a um, compulsive overeater who's recovered but not cured. The remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. The courage to do battle was not there. My brain raced uncontrollably, and there was a terrible sense of impending calamity. I hardly dared cross the street lest I collapse and be run down by an early morning truck 
for it was scarcely daylight. An all-night place supplied me with a dozen glasses of ale. My writhing nerves were stilled at last. A morning paper told me the market had gone to hell again. Well, so had I. The market would recover, but I wouldn't. That was a hard thought. Should I kill myself? No, not now. Then a mental fog settled down. Gin would fix that. So two bottles and oblivion. So, um, like you've heard me say many times, I never got to like the end stages of what I hear some other people report to. And I'm super glad that I was maybe a higher bottom when I got into the program. But when I got into the program, I did not, when I got into the first food program, I didn't have the gift of desperation. I was sick of battling with it, but I wasn't desperate and I was more curious and um, and really just wanted to control my weight like a lot of us did. And so I did that program for two years and then I went out again. And I never got this bad and thank God for that. But I realized as I got sober and abstinent that it was the weight obsession that was the true addiction. It was that it was constant, incessant obsessing about my weight and whether I was um, looked sexually attractive, which meant whether I was worthy or not. But of course, under all that was a tremendous sense of unworthiness. And we all heard my fortunes, but I said a repulsive overeater. And even though I wasn't that overweight, I did distort my body. And um, I'm grateful now that my weight is, um, is lower. And I've had to give up the addiction to the quest for the perfect body. So I got there pretty close a few times, but not for long. I realize it's insane. It is insane to have a life that's the quest for the perfect body when my body is temporary. But I know what it was like to use food to, um, to calm myself and to regulate my nervous system. And I really only realized that till I got abstinent. And when I was stressed, I'd want to drink a vanilla milkshake. And I just couldn't drink it because I had agreed not to. And then I realized, how's a vanilla milkshake going to solve these issues at work? And, and I still see, I am totally programmed when I get stressed. Um, actually when I get happy, right? Like most of us have said, when I feel anything, my first thing, especially though when I'm stressed is to shove something in my mouth and I being involved with childbirth. Um, I watch how parents do that, right? Whenever a baby has any discomfort, a lot of parents, you know, shove a breast or a bottle into a kid's mouth, which I think is what I was programmed to do. But for whatever happened, somehow, I learned that pe- that food was more reliable than people, that I couldn't go to people for comfort because the pe- my caregivers were not reliable people and often they were perpetrators in one way or the other, but food was reliable. And so I'm programmed to go for food. And um, I definitely, though I don't think I was going to ever kill myself about my weight, but I definitely was thought of suicide a lot in my life. Then I have a sister who did kill herself after she relapsed back into 
um, substance use. So I am grateful that um, suicidal ideation is rare for me these days. I've been freed from that with abstinence because I started to mature and my life has, um, you know, it's matured once we get abstinent, right? The maturation process starts again. So I can totally relate to Bill's story and I'm super grateful for vision. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Vanita, for getting us started this morning. Okay, we're going to now transition for three-minute shares. Uh, that was page six in Bill's story, the first paragraph. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day so others can kind of step up as well. So with that in mind, who would like to share? Johan Ann. Johan? Abby F, Janice PM, did you get that Reva P. Abby, Janice, Reva, yep. Anita J. Anita. Tracy W. Tracy. <laughs> Nancy Tracy. R. Nancy, and let's stop with Reggie. So let me tell you who I heard with these old ears here. I, I definitely heard Johan, Abby, Janice, Reva, Anita, Tracy, Nancy, and Reggie. And you guys could just uh, give your uh, first initial to your last name when you get on. So let's hey, start with Johan. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Who is that? Okay. Um, so let's start with Johan and followed by Abby. Johan, good morning. Hey, good morning, Larry. So nice to hear you good this morning. morning. Thank you for service. Thank you all for service. And my name is Johan Ann. <clears throat> I'm a recovered compulsive over overeater and I live in a small town called Falun in Sweden. And yeah, happy to be here today. And that lead share was amazing. Thank you for that. And a really good paragraph as well. And I think that well, I was I was brought up in dysfunction and uh, I was brought up by alcoholics and as a kid I I felt terrible you know I felt unloved and I felt separated and uh, I often contemplated at an early age I contemplated suicide I even tried to take my life when I was a kid before I was a teenager uh, you know I cried for help but it, that could have gone really really bad uh, so in a sense, I think that, you know, food saved my life when I was a kid, because after I turned to a Snickers bar or to sandwiches or to pizza or hamburgers, I felt okay. And I felt that this, uh, you know, circumstances outside of me couldn't really hurt me because I had the food. The problem was that I continued to use the solution throughout my life. Uh, going up my teenage years and then, you know, as a grown-up, I continued to use this solution uh, or what I thought was the solution to, to all my outside problems until I, uh, until I hit bottom. And I have hit many bottoms <laughs> with the food. But in the end, I hit like a, uh, an inside bottom, really, like a... Uh, and then... Then I came into OA, 
I first tried to do the program my way, which didn't really work. And I got awareness of that by going out in the food again. But then coming back, I, I did what I needed to do, which was getting a sponsor and work through these steps really quickly and start living in the steps. You know, uh, It's not like I'm finished when I'm through the steps. It's, it's actually the opposite. When I'm through the steps, I have the, the solution and I have the tools uh, for the rest of my life. So the journey really begins when I'm through the steps. You know, to keep having this relationship with God, to keep having a conscious contact with God through working steps 10, 11, and 12 to the best of my ability every day and one day at a time. But I'm, I'm so grateful to be here today. I love these meetings, you know, and I've been abstinent since I started coming here, uh, which of course doesn't, <laughs> doesn't have with the meetings to do uh, like that, but you know, they, they have been a part of the solution for me. Because thanks to these meetings, I started to take this program seriously. And uh, today I get to live in recovery, which is just an amazing grace. So, so happy to be here. Uh, thank you all. And thank you so much for service today. Thank you. I pause. Thank you, Johan. Okay, next up we have Abby, followed by Janice. Abby, good morning. Hello, everyone. Good morning. This is Abby S. I'm recovered in Michigan. Thankful for the shares this morning. And um, guys, I'm thinking about, like, Bill's story. Like, oh, it's just, like, so cringy every day. Like, just, like, oh, we're in the thick of it. Like, the the downward spiral. And um, I'm, like... It, I don't know. It just makes me cringe. Like it's just getting worse and worse. And, um, you know, the first eight pages are the downward spiral spiral. The next eight pages are the upward, you know, climb to spiritual awakening. And, um, it reminds me of like this bottom that I had of just like laying, Oh gosh. Like I was, I think I was either right off of a relapse or like, I don't really remember, but I was just like laying down on the beach, which was not a great experience. It seems like it would be, but like I was desperate, like in the food, couldn't get out, but couldn't stay. This feeling of like just complete, like utter despair. I was frantically calling like every therapist, like I was on psychology today and I was like calling everyone leaving multiple messages on like all these therapists like I need help I need help and it's like I was I couldn't stay in the food and I couldn't get out it was like the worst worst feeling but I'm so grateful for that bottom because like if I ever have any doubt in my mind which I don't that I'm a compulsive eater I think of that time like I can't stop I can't stop I can't stop I can't stop and like thank god that it got super bad for me because um, that's my step one. Like I'm, I'm constantly reminded I'm powerless and, um, and I'm just super grateful for my bottom. I'm super grateful to not be at the, that bottom anymore. Like, thank God, right after that, the stars aligned and I, you know, God really looked out for me and I had, you know, a nutrition, like a great nutritionist and then a wonderful sponsor and the 12 steps and, um, was able to, climb out of that bottom but like thank you god that i have that bottom because it's a reminder of where i don't want to go anymore and where i can quickly go back to so i'm grateful to be here with everyone today and i hope you all have a great day and i pass 
Thanks, Abby. Okay, we have Janice followed by Reva. Janice, the uh, White Sox did beat your Red Sox 3-1. to one. I'm just saying, Yes, good morning. yes. Good morning <laughs> to good you, morning. Larry, um, and everyone. My name is Janice P.M., and I'm from Massachusetts. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive the eater. Oh, boy. I, you know, I can title this paragraph as the promises of the disease, of my disease. These are the promises. You know, we have promises of recovery. This is the promises of my disease because they came true. They came true. Every bit of this paragraph, you know, the remorse. You know, I premeditated my binges. I premeditated. I knew exactly what type of cake, like little, some of you won't remember. I don't know if they're still out, but they were called Drake's Devil Dog. I remember those, and I remember they were making them smaller, and I was angry, but I knew exactly what to eat that would put me into oblivion, especially when I came home with my young son from daycare, because I ran a daycare, and I would stop, and I would get those things so that I could get in, after eating them, I could get into oblivion. And you know what oblivion is? For me, it was like, okay, I'll go take a nice nap. And I wouldn't remember a thing. And um, I, sometimes, you know, it's like anesthesia. You, you know, you, you have a surgery, they give you anesthesia. You go into it. You don't remember anything. You, 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 sometimes people wake up faster than other people. And sometimes I, I would, you know, I wouldn't wake up until my husband came home from, his, from the office. Well, that was me. And, you know, I had so much haunting in my mind. I had so much guilt. I, I didn't know what else to do at the end. I, I knew that I went to OA, but then, you know, I didn't want to go because, you know, I didn't want to do what they wanted me to do, the ones that were recovered. And uh, certainly I didn't have any courage, no strength whatsoever because my life, my life was a physical pain. It was emotional turmoil. It was, I had family relationships, my husband, I blamed him to the, to the ninth, to the ninth. Um, you know, I had so much sky, you know, silent scorn too. And, you know, you see the, the, the progression of the disease, glasses of ale. Yeah, I used to say, let me have a bite. But what happened with the bite? It came into a box. The bite turned into a box. So it's the, you know, it's the progression and uh, uh, he went from glasses to two bottles a day. Well, I did the same thing with my food, certain foods, you know, um, forgetting, escaping the emotional turmoil. I mean, uh, loss of memory. Goodness, I, if I kill somebody, I don't think I would remember that I did it because I was so like un, un, unconscious, anesthesia. That's what it reminded me. And and suicide, oh, remember in page four, Bill, Gentle he wasn't going to, sure, he wasn't going to jump, but now he's at that point. Should I kill myself now? No. Solution, some more food, some more booze. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thanks, Janice. Okay, next up is Reva, followed by Anita. Reva, good morning. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. 
wow, what I remember when, remorse, that intense um, guilt, shame, after the binge. This is like after the binge paragraph. Um, morning after, five minutes after, one second after. Horror. I was terrified because I was terrified by what I was doing. Like how does somebody consume that many thousands of calories in such a short amount of time? Um, I felt like that Jekyll and Hyde and hopeless because in spite of the remorse, in spite of the terror, I just did it again and again and again. Um, so I felt hopeless. And what struck me a lot, um, you know, this courage to do battle, feeling like it was a battle that I was fighting. And I love the promise after step 10, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone because at that point, neutrality has come. Um, but, you know, until I got into this program and worked the steps, it was a battle and everything was a fight. And the mind, my brain racing uncontrollably, that's my mind in the food um, and especially um, without the food when I'm not working the steps, this crazy racing thinking, this terrible sense of impending calamity, something terrible is going to happen, and it did because I kept destroying myself with food. And that's, again, a reminder when I'm working the steps, I match calamity, what I think is calamity, which might not even be the outside world. It might be just what's going on in my head, calamity, inner calamity. I match that with serenity. Um, and then, you know, by the end of the paragraph, I see that progression where I was eating for, um, for fun and then necessity, like luxury, necessity, and now we're into oblivion. That feeling, no feeling. I did not want to feel. Feelings were just so uncomfortable. That was part of the difficulty of getting abstinence. I didn't know how to handle my feelings and wanting to be in that place of unconsciousness because life in the food, life without the food, without this spiritual program is unbearable torture. And I need to be in oblivion to blot it all out because I just can't cope. So thank you, God. There's another way to live. We match calamity with serenity. I don't need that oblivion. And food does not have to be my solution. I have found a sufficient substitute. Thank you, God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. Okay, we have Anita followed by Tracy. Anita, good morning. Good morning. Uh, <laughs> this is Anita J, and I'm in Massachusetts formerly from Chicago. Um, <laughs> I'm calling for the word remorse. I don't want to forget the remorse in the morning. That was just awful. You know, you wake up for a brief second, you don't remember what you did to yourself and your body and your and everything. Um, and then it comes right back and you know it. And now, now to shove that away, you know, sometimes I couldn't look myself in the eyes. I think the eyes tell it all. And how are you, Anita? I'm fine. And I could maybe throw out a couple of jokes, you know, and make everybody laugh. Making everybody laugh but me. I wasn't laughing. It's not a laughable thing, but I didn't know what else to do. You know, many times I wasn't even thinking about eating. And the opportunity came. 
I forgot my husband was going to go out and play cards. The kids are in bed. I had the, um, the you know, there it was. That was the last thing on my mind. And yet, in a way, it was never left my mind. So then I'd, I'm just going to have, you know, my story of the one peanut. When I finally hit my bottom, I could kid myself. One peanut. Pantry's empty, you know, after one peanut to empty pantry. And also crazy concoctions because I tried not to keep things in the house, especially once there weren't any kids around. And um, I could just take soda crackers and pour syrup all over it. Or I could take bread and pour something else on it. Things that aren't meant to go together. That's what I would do because I didn't have what normal people eat, whatever, whoever they are. Anyway, the remorse has served a purpose because if it's my description of remorse and the terrible feeling could help anybody. It helps me. It definitely helps me. I don't want that anymore. No more remorse. Gonzo. Leave it in Chicago. I'm going to pass. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Anita. Okay, we got Tracy followed by Nancy. Tracy, good morning. Tracy, press uh, star one. Hey, Larry, could that have been Rosie? That that could definitely be Rosie. I could have heard that <laughs> wrong. Hey, Rosie. <laughs> Good morning. Hi, thank you. Rosie Compulsive Overeater in the UK, and I will one day work out how to pronounce my name in a way that's intelligible to the American ear. Um, oh, gosh, thank you for your service, Larry, and thank you for everyone who shared. I've, I'm still laughing about pouring syrup on bread and the insane things I used to do in that department. Um, I really loved the lead share, and oh, God, remorse, horror, and hopelessness. It's. Um, it's funny, my job is writing and I it's quite annoying because Bill, who worked in finance and sales, is a far better writer than I will ever be. He sums up in three words there, um, in th three short nouns, um, exactly what my life felt like um, before I found recovery. It was a constant cycle of remorse and then later horror and hopelessness. And what I'm hearing in this paragraph is... Um, the second part of step one, the unmanageability, because, you know, he he knows now that alcohol is his master. Um, he knows that he's beaten, but he's now just in the thick of that racing brain um, inability to think. That I will never forget. I have no idea what I was eating in those awful few months before I uh, before God led me to Overeaters Anonymous. But I remember exactly what my head felt like. Shall I kill myself? No, not now. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's open up my phone and see if I can find a solution for this. Let's just get on the bus and go and do this thing or go and see that person or just anything, anything. And, and changing what that thing was every few seconds because I couldn't even be present for a few seconds. Um, and I loved what the lead share said about um, how once we become abstinent and start working the steps, there's a sort of maturing and it really reminded me of, oh, I don't know, about two and a half, a year and a half ago, no, a bit more, 
I heard somebody sharing in a meeting that, you know, that he felt like a, an adult now. He felt like a grown up, you know, now that he was a member of OA. And, and I remember listening and thinking, oh, I just don't. I'm, I don't. I know there's more here. I know there's more for me spiritually. And a few weeks later, I heard somebody else sharing on a meeting. And, and I thought that that's it. That is exactly what it is. And I called her. And of course, she was, you know, a regular member of this group. And I spent many years floundering around in, in Overeast Anonymous, sort of stark raving abstinent because nobody, you know, the, the wonderfully well-meaning kind people who I worked with, you know, nobody was able to show me exactly what the steps were using the book. Um, and this meeting has changed my life. And I feel so grateful now because because I am an adult. I do feel like an adult. I do intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle me. And but what's funny about that is I've had to um, become a child again to do that. You know, I've had to become I've had to admit powerlessness. I've had to become teachable. I've had to chip away at my ego. And, you know, even, you know, the work that I've done since I um, found a big book. Uh, Thanks, Larry. Even that work, you know, I've resisted. And now I finally feel like I am a child, a teachable child. And miracles are happening. I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Rosie. Intelligible and the American Air. And I don't know, that's gonna be a tricky proposition. Nancy, good morning. Good morning. It's Nancy R from Illinois. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Wow. This reading this morning really brought me and all of your shares really brought me back to the remorse, horror and hopelessness of the next morning and the next morning and the next morning and the next morning and um, it's good to be reminded of that I was feeling grateful that we digest the big books paragraph by paragraph because I've you know read this paragraph hundreds of times but to just sit in it um, it's just such a good reminder of what my life is like when I'm not working this program. Um, so what kept coming up for me are um, are two things. Years and years ago, um, I was pregnant with my adult son, and um, I wanted ice cream, and so I decided I was going to walk to the ice cream place um, and get the ice cream and walk back um, so that I would you know, rather than drive, I mean, just the insane thinking, you know, and I binged on that ice cream, and that was early in my disease, and so it wasn't a huge volume, uh, but it was still my disease, and then fast forward to that adult child um, who was in grade school at the time, like, I'd wake up in the morning filled with remorse, horror, and hopelessness, and be like, today's not going to be like that, I can't keep doing this. And I get to up and get the kids ready for school and I drive, drop them off at school. And all the time, my crazy thinking and, and, and allergy of the body would be like, all right, I'm not going to the bakery. 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 And then I would drop them off and I'd be like, well, I'll go, but I'll just get one. Um, okay, I'm driving there. Well, I'll go, but I'll just get two. And I get in there and I leave with a half a dozen and then get in the car and drive home and put on the TV and sit on the couch and binge on those donuts and then oblivion, you know, just like the end of this paragraph. 
Oh, so six donuts and oblivion. It's always worse, never better. Um, and it's good to be reminded of all that because I've been relieved of the um, of the food and the uh, aller- I'm not relieved of the allergy. I put the foods down, and so um, I'm feeling relieved of the craving and uh, showing up here and doing the steps and doing 10, 11, and 12 every day. Um, keeps my crazy thinking at bay and I'm just feeling really grateful today. Thanks. Thanks so much, Nancy. Hey, Reggie, hold tight for a second. Um, We're on page six in Bill's story, the first paragraph. So after Reggie, uh, we're going to take some more names. And with that, hey, Reggie, good morning. Hey, Larry, good morning. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, good. Well, thanks so much for calling on me. And this is Reggie O in, uh, Pipe Creek, Texas. I never thought I'd hear, uh, hear myself saying that, but I am. That's where I am. And, well, you know, this brought back a lot of memories for me, uh, this paragraph, which it hadn't before. Um, and the first was when I was in probably seventh or eighth grade, and uh, I would eat, I would have eaten so much. Um, it wasn't showing on my body at the time, I don't think, uh, at least not in a big way. But I had eaten so much that um, my my uh, parents had bought a uh, store, and there were there were these packets of um, powdered uh, Alka-Seltzer. And I would be so sick and my belly hurting so much that I would go in and I'd get a couple of packets of those Alka-Seltzers and drink them uh, and drink it. And I don't know if they helped or not uh, because there's a lot that this disease has caused me to forget. But that was that was one that was sort of like the the horror, the remorse, and the pain, you know. That I and I didn't even, you know, I was so out, not even conscious of of what was going on. And then I remembered again before program, and this was much later, probably a year, a year to two years before I came into program and knew I had any issue. And I would wake up in the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning would be waking up. And walk and seeing the bags in my bed, um, which had usually begun with a big bag of M&M peanuts, and then walking into my kitchen, and there would be boxes and bags all over the floor, and I, I would have little memory of having eaten them. And, uh, and then the third example I have of that was once I came into program, and I had been in about a year or two, and I would have periods of, you know, significant abstinence, loved the program, loved the community, and then I would go out. And, and the remorse, horror, and hopelessness would be the night after I had binged to the degree that all I could think of was taking my car and driving it into a wall or a tree. I needed something that smashing to, I thought, you know, that was what was going on in my mind to get rid of the the absolute uh, awfulness that I felt on every level and certainly, you know, certainly physical. I never, and it was ideation, I don't think I would have or ever could have killed myself, but I certainly thought of it, you know, and it wasn't just, you know, shoot myself, it had to be something that was big and smashing. So, boy, oh boy, oh boy. And, you know, the Using the, you know, my writhing nerves were stilled at last. There was so much that I think I used food to still, you know, and a lot of it was I, 
you know, often always look good on the outside, but I, I, I suffered with a self-consciousness of letting my true self be seen. And I would still that, I would still that with food, you know, and again, I, and I, it, it, so it's just amazing to me to look at this, the mental fog and the denial and, uh, you know, and even here all these years later, remembering things that I had not remembered. And, it, you know, it just keeps coming and the recovery keeps coming. And this reminds me why I'm here and uh, I'm so grateful to be here with all of you this morning. So I'll pass with that. Uh, thanks, Reggie. Okay, if you haven't shared in the past uh, couple of days, who would like to share? What was read? Jack W. Ken W. H. Hi, Linda. Lisa Linda. J. I'll tell you who I heard, okay? And we're going to go with this list first, and then we'll see if we can get you on the back end. I heard Jack, Ken, Linda, Lisa, and Russ. Was there one more name I could fit in there? Christina L. Okay, let's stop there. And we're going to go with that. My apologies if I missed you. Uh, okay, we'll go with Jack, followed by Ken. Hey, Jack, good morning. Jack, press star one. Can you hear me uh, now, Larry? Just, just Jack. Yeah, I can hear you, Jack. Good morning. Thanks for your service, buddy. I, yeah, I was muted again. But um, let's see, where was I? I was sharing while I was muted, but um, I can just so relate to this paragraph because I am multi-addicted and had a lot of years of alcoholism. And before I found alcohol, well, all my life I've had a lot of fear. So I can always had the sensitive nervous system. But, you know, I, I, when I found alcohol, it was just a wonder uh, liquid for me. And, uh, like uh, someone shared about wanting to be in oblivion, I would drink to and live in oblivion. And uh, and I, I think I looked that up and it said uh, like a state of unconsciousness. And uh, so I think uh, her name was Vanetta. She shared also about uh, maybe body image would make her if she had this sexy, attractive body that would help her self-worth. And I have that mental um, delusion or illusion that uh, if I was more muscular, if I looked lean and ripped in front of the mirror, that all would be well. And I don't know if that's uh, muscle dysmorphia or if it's narcissist being narcissistic you know everything's about me but i remember i remember too when I, i'm jumping all over the place but when i was in the food i was putting these um substances in my body that i thought were okay and uh until i found a, a vision for you sponsor that had my um same struggles at one time and he took me off of plain yogurt oatmeal and fruit and I was always uh, always here over the 30 years in food programs. You know, find the biggest apple you can, or buy the biggest apple you can find in produce. And uh, they gave me plain yogurt in 1990 in treatment. And uh, 
but I remembered I just thought my life was going to be that way. I, I'd stop, but I couldn't stay stopped. My nerves at work would be troubleshooting my equipment. I'd be shaking. People would be looking over my shoulder, and I'm thinking, well, they think I'm a drunk or I'm uh, withdrawing from last night from a, a binge. And, and then I would, in my mind, I'd go, I'm not going to fix this. I, they'll think I'm a failure and uh, or a fake. And I'd go outside and take a little quiet time, but that wouldn't, that would work for just a few seconds. Yeah, so I'm just, uh, I'm in the right place, abstinent, and uh, it's a journey. Did my quiet time, and uh, thanks for letting me share. Pass. Thanks, Jack. Oh, thanks so much. Okay, next up we have Ken followed by Linda. Ken, good morning. Thanks, Larry. Ken WH from North Carolina. A recovered compulsive overeater. <clears throat> I'm just struck by the uh, the battle, the fighting uh, that that uh, Bill was losing the ability to do, but still hadn't given up. And I remember uh, vividly uh, marriage falling apart. It didn't, but it was. And it seemed like it was everything going wrong. Uh, I was eating. Um, I was in a spiritual fog, um, no question. I was very distant from God. Standing in the middle of Cape Lookout in uh, North Carolina, and it's like a boomerang-shaped island, and we walked all the way around to the far, far end, figuring we could walk back across the inside, the cove side, and uh, get to the boat that was going to take us back to the mainland. And... Uh, Unfortunately, the tide came in while we were walking and didn't pay any attention. And the only way back was all the way back around. We weren't going to make it. So I stood there on a stand, sand dune and I was just crying. And I I just simply said, I can't get it. And it was sort of a, one of those aha moments where God said, you're absolutely right, Ken. You can't. And it was kind of like playing charades and the finger on the nose and pointing the finger at me. You got it, Ken. You're in the right place at that moment. Um, I, like Bill, still had another long period of time. His was only two years. Mine was 20 or so uh, that I was still going to keep fighting this. <clears throat> and I had a, a wise person say to me one time, and after I had said over and over, uh, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with step so-and-so. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. And the person looked at me and said, Ken, that's the problem. You're struggling. You're fighting. Let go. Just stop fighting. You can't win. <laughs> you just can't win that battle. Stop fighting. Stop struggling. And just let go and uh, jump on board this train of, of recovery. And uh, about two years ago, I jumped aboard, and I'm grateful. Thanks. I pass. Oh, thank you, Ken. Okay, Linda, followed by Lisa. Linda. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. Well, here's the thing. I received the gift of life today. Not everybody gets that. What a tremendous gift life is what to do with it. It's out of my hands. I don't know. I do know this. 
I have a savage disease. It ripped my life in half. And the only solution I have is God. I am so grateful for God. I could just kiss God if God were kissable, you know, like a face. I'm so grateful for this meeting that is teaching me every single day how to live this life. Because this is a life of love. Learning to love myself, to love, I do love God. Learning to find God and love God. Most of all, I love God. How to love myself. I don't know how to do that. I never did. How to love you. I am so grateful to be here. I thank everybody who is here who helps me to learn that every day. Thank God for all of us. I just love you. I'm so grateful for you. Thanks so much. I pass. Thanks, Linda. Okay, we have Lisa followed by Russ. Hey, Lisa, good morning. Hi, this is Lisa J. from Michigan. So grateful to be here today. And I am recovered for this 24 hours from this appetite that I have that demands. And I can get what I want. I mean, I will do anything. I will go to any length. I will go to any store. I will, take, I will try whatever I can to, to calm those writhing nerves and satisfy the demand of that appetite. But there's no satisfaction. And I have to get to the point where I realize there's no satisfaction before I'll change. Because that at the demand inside, that wanting, that restlessness of mind, um, leads to self-destructive activity and hopelessness. It leads me to the cabinet, and there's no end to it. It's already been well stated today. One peanut leads to an empty pantry. And the only way that my writhing nerves can be satisfied and calmed is really by calming myself and calming my mind. And the only way I can do that is by surrendering to a power that's greater than myself. Because if I'm trying to satisfy myself, I'm going to end up at the same place every time. And that's the insanity of this disease. And unfortunately, the restless mind leads to picking up that substance, which leads to this hopelessness. And so if I can surrender to this power that's greater than myself, which takes a lot of practice, and it's really hard in the beginning, but I find myself here, and I find myself listening to everyone on this line, and that's what brings me hope, and that's what brings that courage, the real kind of courage that leads me to my higher power that I choose to call God. And that's the only place I can find real satisfaction is by giving away my power that I really is an illusion because I am powerless over food. And it does make my life completely unmanageable. But unless I'm unmanageable, I can't recognize that and turn to God. So grateful that you people are leading me to God and uh, away from food today. Thank you, Pat. Thanks, Lisa. All right, Russell, are you telling me I got to give up? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Oh, man. (laughs) You know me, Russ. You know me. Good morning, everybody. Russ, Russ, I'm a compulsive, recovered compulsive reader. Black truck, he knows me like a book. Um, The main line, after all these years being in program and working with others and going through Bill's story, 
The courage to do battle was not there. It hit me this morning. I'm washing a couple of dishes, and this just smacked me in the mouth. This was the best place I could ever be. Although it was arduous, painful, and it was a pain in the ass. It was the greatest place. I was on the cusp. This is where I could truly surrender, because I tried my whole life to surrender. This thing got me at a young age, just like everybody else. It tormented me, tortured me. And I tried everything, and I tried to surrender. But I had to eat my way. I had to, you know, I had to be destroyed. I had to be humiliated to surrender because there's no other options. Like I, it's like when you're training, you're working out, you work a muscle to fatigue, you just can't do it anymore. I fatigued my everything. This disease crushed me. It crushed me. So it was a great place to be. Yeah, I thought about offering myself plenty of times. Even now, sometimes, you know, I'm a regular person. It don't go away. You got to work through it. That's why we have the steps. Um, but if I didn't come to this point, if I didn't, if I uh, didn't have, I don't know if it's a resolution or not, or I just gave the hell up, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I was talking to my sponsor last night. We were going over a couple of things. And he said, where would we be without program? I said, I'd be dead. He said, he'd be dead. Like, for real. Not overly dramatic and just recognize. Like, I'd be gone. So thank God. Honest to goodness. Honest to goodness. Thank God that the courage of the battle wasn't there no more. Because I wouldn't have nothing. And I ain't veering from this life. So, newcomers, hang in there. Do the work and you'll be good get it. All right. Have a great day. Love you guys. Thanks, Rock. Thanks, Russ. All right, see how we do this, Christina? We we saved the best for last. I don't know how we worked it out, but you got a couple of minutes here. Good morning. I didn't even realize you heard me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, wow, kind of caught me off guard. Okay, Christina L., recovered compulsive overeater from Florida, but certainly not cured and never will be. Um, so I just have loved these shares this morning. They were just absolutely incredible. And, you know, just remembering back to my own time where just before I came into this program, um, that was like the worst period of my life. Um, I had suffered a miscarriage and I was like trying to tell God what he was going to do. And, you know, that I would not even praise his name until he gave me what I wanted. And, um, you know, that was just, that was just the lowest point of my life. And, you know, I, I had, had it in my mind that I needed to, you know, stop, stop eating the food, but I just couldn't put it down. And, oh, you know, oblivion, you know, it's like, I just could not stand to feel the pain of what I was going through. And I still can't stand the pain to feel of what I'm going through abstinently. It's like, it's no wonder why I ate. And um, I am just so incredibly grateful for this program. And, you know, I'm just really grateful for my journey, too. You know, I've been in this program for nine years. And when I look back at, to where I came from, and someone had mentioned something about a particular food and stuff, and it just brought me back to um, where I'd put, you know, my substances down, but I was at an event and, you know, saw other people who were in program putting something on their food. I was like, oh, well, let me try that. And, you know, I just, 
it was like the whack-a-mole game. I put one thing down and picked up another and stuff. And, um, you know, but thank God, uh, you know, I've heard this clear message that this meeting gives, and I am forever grateful and in debt to this meeting mm-hmm. um, and to Overeaters Anonymous, uh, and most especially to my higher power, to God, to whom I call God and stuff, because, um, you know, I just can't That's do fine. this. I, I can't do this life. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Oh, thanks, Christina, and and thank you to everyone uh, who has participated today, those who shared, just being on the line is a great thing. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Let me give you the share ID for today's meeting. That number is 18,994. That's 18994. We're now going to close with the reading from the big book on page 164. We're going to follow that with uh, the serenity prayer. So watch how we do this. Christina, are you there again? <laughs> Will you do that for us? Oh, Christina. Okay, now I'm unmuted. There you All are. Right. Here I am again. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.